Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In addition to feelings of love and wonderment, the postpartum period will almost certainly bring more stress and challenges than expected. Preparing a postpartum plan to share with those who will be providing you with support can make the transition into parenthood much smoother. I'm Laura Keller, childbirth educator, doula, and lactation educator, and today we'll be discussing how to create your postpartum plan. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant, and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants I've got kinkles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Are you just now tuning in to Preggy Pals? We've covered over 130 topics so far. Visit the episode guide on our website to scroll through the topics. Listen directly on your computer through iTunes or download our free apps available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows marketplaces. And be sure to check out our new network app where you can listen to all your favorite new mommy media shows on the go. Here's Sunny with more information about how you can get involved with Preggy Pals. All right. Hi, everybody. So Stephanie was just telling you about our apps. And we have a segment where we like to review apps. And we're always looking for our listeners to recommend different apps, perhaps apps you already have on your phone that you really like and you think other pregnant mamas could really benefit from. So uh, that's one segment you can participate in. Um, We have an Ask the Expert segment where you can ask any of our experts any of your pregnancy questions. So that's another. And then we also just love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any ideas for future episodes you would like us to explore, if you just want to share how Preggy Pals has impacted you in your pregnancy, we would love to hear from you. And we'll read some of those comments on the show. So the ways that you can submit for that, you can go to our website at newmommymedia.com, click on the contact link, and you can email us. Or if you actually want to share your story yourself or ask the question yourself, you can call our voicemail at 619-866-4775 and leave us a message and then we'll play that on a future episode. Great. Thank you, Sunny. Yeah. So let's get started by doing some panelist introductions. I will start. Um, like I said, I'm Stephanie Glover. I'm 33. I host Preggy Pals and I'm also a trained childbirth educator. Um, no due date, but I have two kiddos. My four-year-old is Gretchen and she was my C-section baby. And my two-year-old is Lydia and she was my VBAC. Kristen? Hi, I'm Kristen Stratton. I am a birth doula and a postpartum doula, and I'm also the host of our sister show, Newbies. Woohoo! So check out Newbies. Um, I have three kids. Um, I had three kids in three and a half years. That was a little crazy. I have a uh, five and a half year old, a three and a half year old, and a two year old. So there you go. There you go. You're busy. And busy. Yeah. And Shannon, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Shannon. I am 31. I am a stay at home mom and part time photographer. I just delivered my second child. Um, his name is Emerson, and he's eight weeks now. Oh, he's so cute. And um, it was my second cesarean. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so before we get started today, we have a headline that we wanted to talk about. This headline is, Stress leads many mothers to resume smoking after pregnancy, according to a new study. So... Here's the scoop. It says new research shows that the strains of motherhood are leading up to 90% of women who had quit smoking to resume smoking, especially those from poor backgrounds. It says a study of interviews with 1,031 women who had given birth found out that some mothers go back to cigarettes under pressure from friends or because they see it as a way of regaining their identity, which I thought was really, really that last part about gaining, regaining your identity. Like I can, I can kind of relate to that. Not from the smoking end of it, but like sometimes you just feel so lost in the beginning, right? And you're like, you want to regain something, something from like your yeah. pre-baby existence, right? <laughs> and so smoking might might not be the healthiest <laughs> thing to regain, right. but you know, you, you know, different things for different people, right? And so I kind of wanted to throw this out to you guys and see what you thought. Ninety uh, percent seems really high to me, but I don't know if you guys have you know experience, you know, working with women in your own practices and stuff that this has happened to, but just wanted to see what you guys thought. Stephanie. You know, I wasn't, I've never been a smoker. Um, it, the study does not surprise me because I feel like we all come up with some sort of coping mechanism to deal with stress of, right. of new mommyhood. Um, it's disappointing only because I'm thinking about the health of the kiddos. Obviously. The secondhand smoke kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, my dad was a heavy smoker when I was young and I had chronic headaches, which only really in my adulthood have I started linking them perhaps I don't get them anymore well I'm not around smoking anymore either. yeah so yeah. you know I, I think about I just think it's disappointing but certainly not surprising right Kristen what do you think um, I think like you said it's a very very stressful time and I think whatever your coping mechanism was pre-pregnancy is probably going to be your postpartum coping mechanism which, whether that's extreme exercise I've had clients who just throw themselves into very rigorous um, exercise routines because to get their identity back, they need their body back. Or for like me, it was a thing at Ben and Jerry's that made me feel great, uh, which is not very healthy either. But like Stephanie said, it can lead to chronic health issues both in the parent and in the children. And we do know that there's also a correlation between smoking in the home and um, SIDS. So I think um, it would certainly be a good goal for providers to work with those postpartum moms and just be even more vigilant about giving them options for quitting, support groups, um, medications, therapies, whatever that is. Um, And then for family members to be aware of how stressful it is to be a new parent and that they need to be more vigilant about reaching out and helping those new parents. Okay. Anybody else? Any ideas? Thoughts? 
I think that having open communication with your provider also helps because they may not have known that you were a smoker mm-hmm. previously, um, especially if it was just a part of your life before and it was just a part of your identity. And um, having that open communication will help your doctor provide you with other skills and give you people to talk to or reach out to or support groups or things like that so that you have another outlet to cope. You know, Mm -hmm. during your pregnancy, if you weren't smoking, how were you coping during the pregnancy? Because pregnancy is stressful. Um, I can definitely relate to, you know, not only picking up your habits once you've had the child to cope, but also, you know, when you add children, when you already have one, it just Mm -hmm. compounds the stress. (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) So I think having that open communication will definitely alleviate a lot of that um, pressure Mm -hmm. to go back to bad habits. And I think tying into our topic for today, which is postpartum plans, going into, you know, I'm sure that it would be difficult to quit smoking even during pregnancy, especially if maybe it was a surprise pregnancy, you weren't planning on Mm -hmm. it, but it's a big adjustment. And there's a lot of things surrounding our postpartum experience that we need a lot of support from our family, our friends and those around us. So making that part of a postpartum plan would be how do I continue not smoking and making that, you know, conscious effort that it takes a lot of support for as well yeah yeah okay thanks ladies hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right i'll do it. sign up now and you'll get unlimited for 15 dollars a month in six months of paramount plus essential plan on us mintmobile.com slash switch upfront payment of 45 dollars, equivalent to 15 dollars per month unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds videos at 480p active mint customers by 531 24 get six months of paramount plus essential plan auto renews after six months offer ends may 31st 2024 separate paramount plus registration required terms and conditions apply if rated pg So today we're discussing how to prepare for your postpartum period. Joining us here in the studio is Laura Keller. Laura is a certified childbirth educator, doula, and lactation educator. She works with expectant parents to help prepare them for their postpartum period through childbirth preparation and breastfeeding classes. Welcome to Preggy Pals, Laura. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So many expectant parents are familiar with what a birth plan is, but what is a postpartum plan? Sure. A lot of expectant parents spend a lot of time and energy focusing on creating their birth plan and getting ready for everything surrounding the labor and birth experience. But creating a postpartum plan is just as important as having a birth plan. And what a postpartum plan is, is just a plan for what's going to happen after the baby is born and what kind of support and resources do we need. You're probably familiar with the concept of the fourth trimester, which basically means Babies spend 40 weeks inside mama's belly and they have all their needs met. They're warm and cozy and never hungry. And then they're adjusting to life on the outside. And so those early weeks and months of a baby's life take so much time and energy and focus from parents that we all just need our our village, our resources surrounding us. So postpartum plan is just thinking about what resources do we need and how can we plan ahead to make that transition smoother. And would that plan include a certain like you mentioned the fourth trimester so would that be immediately following delivery through like the first few months sure it would encompass of course those first few weeks can be sometimes the most challenging but the the several months after you know becoming a parent can be full of transitions as well. So a postpartum plan would include not only those early days, but support for several months afterward. Well, and we're all parents, so I think we can agree that right when you think you've got something handled, you're getting, <laughs> you got like a new curveball thrown at exactly. you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So at what point in pregnancy should parents begin kind of creating this plan? 
Definitely well before the birth. Um, a great time to start thinking about your postpartum plan is as you're also creating your birth plan and thinking about how that whole um, phase of your experience will go. Um, a great time to start working on it is also when you have um, any sort of baby shower or celebration or time where maybe your family and friends are getting together. Prior to that, you can think about what kind of support specifically will I need from my family and friends. And then when you're all celebrating and getting together, you can maybe have people sign up for specific ways that they can support you and commit to something specific that they'll do for you after baby comes. Okay. So take us through some of the main things to maybe start thinking about resource-wise. Um, now, we're, we're just going to start here with assuming that the mom has had an uncomplicated delivery and recovery, because I know that that can also affect how you plan if, if you have something a little bit more complicated. But let's start with just sort of a simple scenario. What are some things to include in, in your planning? Sure. And I will say the process of creating the postpartum plan, just like with a birth plan, is just as important as the plan itself. So it's a way for you to sit down with your partner and your family and think about what kind of expected challenges we might be working through together. Some of the things a postpartum plan might include would be a list of support people and how specifically they might, they might help you. So maybe it's bringing meals over, helping with not only baby care, but really focusing on the other aspects of your life, taking care of other kids, other pets, how they can logistically help you focus completely on your baby. So the most important thing is that those early days with bonding with your baby, establishing breastfeeding, and any way that other people can help you just focus on that is what you would include in a postpartum plan. You also might think about hiring a postpartum doula, which is somebody who is a specifically trained professional who uh, will help you with all of the different aspects of becoming a new mom, breastfeeding support, and, and baby care as well. Um, you would also want to have a list of breastfeeding resources. If you're going to be breastfeeding um, and you experience any you know challenges along the way, there are resources available in your community that you would want to research beforehand. Also, just having a, a plan for self-care for both you and your partner. So you're kind of establishing your new normal and settling into life as parents. And that comes with a lot of adjustment, a lot of time and energy focus, and lack of sleep. So... Building in time and ways that you can simply just take care of yourself and your partner also can, you know, take time to just rejuvenate because for you to be the best parent possible, you need to make sure that you're, you know, taking care of yourself as well. Put on the oxygen mask first before assisting others. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, Shannon, you are a mom of two. Yes. So were you able to kind of create that postpartum plan with your first pregnancy? And how did it differ once you added a second child? Oh, it differed significantly. (laughs) So with our first um, child, Gabriella, we were in Tampa. So we were home and um, my in-laws lived there. My mom was in town. I had all of my friends and stuff like that nearby. My husband had just joined the Navy. So we were preparing for him to leave us to go to boot camp when Brie was eight weeks old. Mm. So we stayed with my in-laws for the first eight weeks. And then I went up to my mom while he was in school and boot camp. And I was there for the next six months. So I had a great postpartum support team. My village was strong. I learned a lot. I got to spend a lot of time with my grandmother. um, And she bestowed some of her wisdom on me as well. And it, it was just really, really ideal. So it was it, everything just kind of fell into place yeah. with the first time around. And then how did it change? So you moved yes. away from your so tribe. We, <laughs> we drove across the country because my husband's first duty station is here in San Diego. 
And um, we knew that we wanted to become pregnant pretty soon after we moved. So when I got that positive, I went into, okay, I need to, you know, find my team, basically. And I'd already known um, who my obstetrician was going to be because I'd heard about him through ICANN and had already got my insurance settled and that was taken care of. But I knew that I'd wanted a doula because I was going to attempt a VBAC. So um, I asked an ICANN and got some good recommendations and settled with Linda Gold. Smith at Pregnancy Sanctuary. And um, that was the first step. And then everything else fell into place. It wasn't until my second trimester when I got that burst of energy that I started to think, okay, well, who do I want to fly out here when? Right. You know, because it was really important to me to have support. But also, I'm the type of person where there's a lot going on. I am not satisfied laying in the bed with the baby. I want to be in the middle of things, enjoying it as well, especially when I have family in town that I don't get to see otherwise throughout the year. Right. So I don't want to nap through this. Yeah, I want to see my mom. I, I want to <laughs> hang out. Exactly. So what I did that helped us is I staggered my help. So, you know, for the first eight weeks, my mom was here. And then she left. My father and my stepmom will be here for Thanksgiving. And then my in-laws are going to come for Christmas and New Year's. So it, the, the fourth trimester has been covered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's really been good. Um, the other thing that I did was when we moved here, I started to not only think about who I needed to help throughout the pregnancy, but also afterwards, like as far as meals were concerned. And, um, you know, my mom was here and she cooked and stuff and it was helpful. But also like my local friends and my community um, that were asking me, what do you need for the baby shower? What do you want? What do you want? And a lot of times I was like, I don't really need blankets. Can you bring me over a you know, a casserole dish of lasagna (laughs) or something that I can throw in my freezer. Mm -hmm. And that's been instrumental. I still have food in my freezer from um, my neighbors and things like that that have really, really stepped in to donate and and help me stay out of the kitchen (laughs) when it gets overwhelming. (laughs) You know, one thing I learned, too, was that um, like with those meal trains and whatnot, even though maybe mom is in town, they're so busy doing other stuff, exactly. particularly if they're taking care of an older sibling. Yes. They kind of need to be cooked for, too. And mm. so we were, yeah, I think we received meals for like a good six weeks. And my mother-in-law was equally appreciative, mm-hmm. I remember, because she even needed some self-care yeah. <laughs> because they're doing so much for us, things that we can't do. And the the tendency is to think about, well, what am I going to need for dinner? What do I want for dinner? And I had one of my friends bring over lunches because it was the middle of the day. The baby was asleep. Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter, Bree, she still naps. So we'd be sitting there at like 1230 having gone through what I call the morning rush. <laughs> and now it's lunchtime and we're pooped. You know, <laughs> yeah, my, so Shay would come over with sandwiches and like platters and things like that. And we would have lunch and nap while the kids were sleeping. It made it so much easier. Yeah, that's a great point. Or, yeah, someone coming over with, like, some bagels and fruit salad in the morning. It was just, yeah. Breakfast casserole. Yeah. (laughs) Kristen, how about you? Were you able to formulate uh, postpartum plans with any of your pregnancies? Well, my story is a little similar to hers in that with our first, uh, my husband deployed when our daughter was four weeks old. And so I actually did move back in with my mom for about half of the deployment. Um, and then towards the latter half, moved back into a house on the base. Then we had our second, and we moved two weeks after he was born to San Diego. Um, and I immediately had already researched and signed up for mops, and I found a mops. And even though my baby was like four weeks old by the time it started, they did a meal train for me, and I'm forever in their debt. Please sign up for mops. If you're listening, go to mops. <laughs> Mothers of preschoolers. Go to mops. Wondering what it is. Yeah. Um, and then when we had our third, we were still down in San Diego. But again, we're a military family. So even though our family is about an hour and a half, two hours away, it 
you know, it's still a lot for them to come down on a regular basis. So again, with the meal trains, and to be honest, in retrospect, I didn't really know what a postpartum doula was. But next time, if we have another baby, I'm saving for a postpartum doula because I just really think that had I had more help with uh, breastfeeding and with laundry and with dishes, I would have been a lot nicer those first few weeks. <laughs> Sorry, husband. Thank you for being married to me. <laughs> And then uh, my mother-in-law, she was very, very sweet and generous with her time. And she did come down on the weekends when she wasn't working. And she would just do all our laundry, like our laundry that was just piled high to the ceiling. She would do all of it in one sitting. I'm like, how do you get it done that fast? Because <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not I'm, nursing a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think now that I know what I know now as a postpartum doula, I would, one, hire of one. <laughs> um, and two, I would definitely be more organized. Yeah. I learned the hard way. And so let's touch on that really quickly for people who maybe didn't even know postpartum doula was a thing. Yeah. You mentioned that they'll even do house. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. And then I became one. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is great. Well, and I, I would imagine, too, particularly with military families, yeah. if you don't, if you're somewhere where you have no other resources, yeah. how instrumental it could be. Especially so- when you first move, because you, maybe you're going to have your military wives that you bond with. Mm-hmm. But when you first move, it's it's stressful. You don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. You're in this new place. You're trying to find your church, trying to find the post office, (laughs) trying to find the grocery store. Um, So you're just so consumed by that, that, you know, building and bonding, you know, with other people is kind of last on your list until you have time for it, especially with a new baby. So yeah. yeah, uh, So basically what a postpartum doula is, she's trained in baby care and mommy care. She'll come in and she'll help feed you the first thing she does when she gets there. Make sure you have water. Do some laundry for you. Some tidying around the house. Maybe hold the baby while you go take a shower so you can shave. That's really nice. (laughs) That makes you feel like a human again. So I would definitely look into it and see if you can budget for that. It's, It's a luxury, but it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When we come back, we'll discuss things to consider if postpartum becomes more complicated than expected. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Today we're discussing how to put together your postpartum plan. Childbirth educator, doula, and lactation educator Laura Keller is our expert. So we all know that labor and postpartum can be pretty unpredictable. Are there some common unexpected outcomes to plan for in the postpartum period, Laura? Sure. And of course, not every complication we can predict, of course. but we do our best in just kind of anticipating some of the needs that we might have. Um, one of the most common unexpected outcomes might be if you have an unplanned cesarean delivery. And of course, if that is your case, then you would be um, having a little bit more of a longer recovery time. You want to spend a little bit extra time being gentle to yourself and uh, might even have a little bit longer of a hospital stay at the beginning. I would say for any of the unexpected outcomes that we talk about, Education is one of the most important ways that you can prepare. So hopefully you're taking a childbirth education class. And if you do, they will cover no matter what kind of class it is, they'll cover what would happen during some of these unexpected outcomes, like if you have a cesarean delivery. And if you 
are for some reason at a higher likelihood of having a cesarean or other complications, of course, you want to do research and just educate yourself about what to expect if those complications do arise and how to better prepare and create your postpartum plan surrounding that. Um, another unexpected outcome might be if you have uh, your baby would have complications and they might spend a little bit of time in the NICU, um, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. And of course, if that were your situation, you would need a lot of extra support, not only physically and logistically, but emotional support. So again, um, researching your hospital's resources beforehand, especially if maybe you're at high risk for premature birth or you're having multiples, you might um, kind of anticipate and understand what resources are available to you. So oftentimes your hospital network would have support groups and resources where you can connect with other parents who are, have had similar situations and you can take that extra support that, that you would need. And again, just the postpartum period is all about taking time to let yourself heal and recover. So if you have any, you know, had any tearing or you had stitches or you just kind of have physical exhaustion just from being a new parent, there's so many, you know, situations where you just want to make sure you're taking that extra time to, to care for yourself. Limiting physical activity, don't lift anything heavier than your baby um, for this first several weeks and take the time to f- gradually ease yourself back into your exercise and your normal life. Um, Another unexpected outcome might be breastfeeding challenges. And these challenges can arise not only in the early weeks, but even in the early months. And there are a lot of different ways that breastfeeding is a wonderful and amazing thing that we do, but there can be a lot of times where it can be difficult. So there are a lot of resources available in your community after the fact. So lactation consultants, breastfeeding support groups. But again, the education piece is just so, so important. So I highly recommend taking a breastfeeding class. The more you know about breastfeeding before you give birth, the the higher likelihood that you'll have a successful breastfeeding experience. And you'll kind of be able to anticipate some of those challenges and understand what's happening with the whole process. So again, education is just key for all of these outcomes. And just be gentle with yourself and allow yourself time to heal and to adjust to your new normal. Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer. Um, But for our panelists, um, did either of you have unexpected outcomes that affected your postpartum period? Yeah, I did. I had unplanned cesarean births, and that was not only emotionally difficult, but physically difficult. I mean, you're recovering from major surgery, so you can't move about as you would um, had you had an uncomplicated vaginal birth. And I know some people have really difficult vaginal births and feel similarly in terms of their mobility. So self-care is just really important. You really can't rush that phase. So you really are reliant on the kindness of others. Um, So that's actually something that I really recommend to moms uh, and dads or partners to really think about having the right people over at the right time. Because while your friend may be really, really funny and really, really great to be around, she may be a terrible cook or really terrible at laundry. Well, and if you have a C-section and you're (laughs) laughing at the beginning, it really hurts. My gosh. Or sneezing. Or sneezing. (laughs) My mom and sister started telling some funny story about how they got lost in the hospital and I was still in the hospital after my C-section and I was crying because it was was funny, but I was like, you have to to leave the room. I can't even look at your face right now. It feels like your tummy is a bowl of jello. So yeah, it's just a Tell the funny friend to come over in three months. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And and if you have someone that really is not particularly helpful and will probably want you to entertain them, they should probably come at the latter half of that fourth trimester as compared to someone who's just like, yeah, give me the laundry. Yeah, you go upstairs and you go to sleep. I'm going to do this for you. Those are the people you want to come immediately. Um, So like um, it was mentioned before, you want to maybe have those people sign up so that those people come at the right time. Very important. 
Good tip. How about you, Shannon? Yeah, I ended up with another C-section too. And um, I was 39 weeks along in four days and I fell down the stairs. So that landed me in the hospital um, and with my C-section. And um, I wasn't planning for that at all. But luckily, because I... My mother was already in town because I was due in like a week. It really, really made it a lot easier. My husband had time off. So I, I think that having the support and planning ahead, like that cannot be stressed enough. It it really, really can be instrumental when things, you know, can change very quickly. And also having care for Brie, um, you know, my neighbors were like, okay, you're going to the hospital. You know, I'll, I'll pick her up and I'll keep her for this night. Oh, you know, Emerson has jaundice. You have to stay another night in the hospital so he can stay on the lights. I'll, you know, do this, this and that, you know. So it was really, really good. Really great. Yeah. And I remember, too, because I've had each type of birth. And I thought, you know, especially when you have a another young child, an older sibling to care for, you take for granted that you still have to rest and heal. And so when I had my vaginal birth, I thought I'd be up and running around and jetting and doing this. And I still had to give myself a good six weeks to chill out. And so I was so thankful that my mother-in-law was there the whole time and would remind me, like, look, you can't lift that. We went to Ikea together and I was trying to move something off a shelf and I really thought my vagina was going to fall out. <laughs> so, and I didn't expect to feel that That's way. That's not know, a good feeling. I'm like, I think I pulled something or, you know, and I was just like, I'm going to just go sit in the car. Yeah. So because I think that we try to be super mom and do too much too soon and it's a good um, reminder too. It can be relax. difficult for the older child too. Oh, like yeah. I had I had guilt because Brie was, she wants to climb on me and she wants to play with me. And I remember Laying in the bed, and Emerson was asleep with my husband, and Brie toddled up the stairs, Mama, Mama, and she gets on the bed, and she's, like, walking towards me, because why would you crawl on the bed? Of course, stand up and yeah. walk towards me. You know? <laughs> and I just, it was like, I was terrified of her. Yes, I was like, she's going to fall on me, oh. and I'm going to bleed out up oh. here, and no one is going to find me for, like, an hour, because I'm supposed to be on nap. Right. You, know? <laughs> you know what's funny about that is even years after having you know, cesarean birth, I still am very protective of that spot. I'm yeah. Automatically reactive about that. When my son comes to like jump on me, I'm like, no, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Yeah, it's just, me too. Yeah, you're right. You have to really be careful. So thankfully today we, um, we're better at recognizing postpartum mood disorders and how they are actually common. Um, there are better ways to diagnose and treat them. But what are some ways to prepare um, in the event that mom develops a postpartum mood disorder, whether it be depression or anxiety? Postpartum mood disorders are more common than you might think. And a lot of women, you know, a lot of people in general don't really talk about them as much as we should. And everybody kind of expects you to be, it's a happy time and you have a new baby. But it is quite common for women to experience postpartum mood disorders. And, you know, we're probably familiar with the baby blues, right? So up to about 80% of women experience just mood swings, anxiety, just some general um, over the first few weeks of having a new baby um, might experience some of those symptoms being irritable, you know, crying for no reason. We're kind of experiencing a lot of hormonal shifts that, you know, usually go away within about a week or two. But if it doesn't, then it might be a sign of postpartum depression or another postpartum mood disorder, which basically means, you know, again, baby blues are 
a lot more common, but some women do experience postpartum depression, which doesn't necessarily go away on its own. And some of the signs and symptoms are similar, but they may be more intense and last longer and might even interfere with your ability to care for your baby. Some of the symptoms of postpartum depression would be um, just kind of a general depressed mood or mood swings, crying excessively, having difficulty bonding with your baby, feeling withdrawn from your family or friends, experiencing changes in your appetite, either you just can't sleep or you feel like you just want to sleep all the time, more so than is just normal for that exhausting right. time period. Um, just ex- feeling extreme fatigue, loss of energy. And it kind of comes along with some emotional side effects too, feeling like you're not a good mother. You just kind of can't get past some of those anxieties. So both par- postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety are you know, very real disorders that affect about up to 15 to 20% of women. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the symptoms might appear later on. So it's not necessarily just in those first early weeks. The symptoms could appear six months or up to a year in postpartum. So yeah, so it's just educating yourself then to know what to look for and probably getting partner in on that conversation as well. So that because sometimes we don't see it in ourselves, but Mm -hmm. the partner can be like, hey, you know, you've been acting kind of funny, your sleep's been off or exactly. And that's a way that you could probably include that into your plan. Exactly. So being aware of having others around you also be able to recognize the symptoms because you just kind of assume, well, this is probably normal. I'm just probably really tired because of the baby. And, you know, others around you might recognize that it's outside of of normal. Yeah. So that can definitely be something, again, education is key. And as you're creating your postpartum plan and just thinking about what resources are available to you, there are a lot of resources in most areas, whether it's support groups. Um, If you do experience a postpartum mood disorder, like postpartum depression or anxiety, you definitely want to talk to your care provider about that. And um, whether it's therapy or medication, Kind of the general idea about postpartum mood disorders, depression and anxiety, are that they're sometimes the hardest to diagnose, but they're some of the easiest to treat. So there is help available, and it's something that's quite common that women experience. So there is help available for you. So Shannon, do you have any experience with preparing or experiencing postpartum? Yeah. So with my first daughter, I had baby blues, and it lasted about two weeks, and um, it just alleviated on its own. This time around, um, we were dealing with some really hard family things. My grandmother passed away nine days before I delivered Emerson. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of grief there going on. And my mom was here, you know, like I said, and I, I noticed that when she left and things started to quiet down, it was hard for me to engage with my son and to get excited about him and, you know, to just have that rush of emotion that I experience with my daughter. You know, I, I broke down one time because I was like, you know, when he cries, my milk doesn't even let down. With Gabriella, I could hear her across the room. I could hear another baby cry and I would be like, where's my pump? I need to like <laughs> express, right. you know, and I'm just not experiencing that right now. And my husband had kind of mentioned to me, like, you seem a little bit, you know, different or challenged. And, you know, it took one day where I just broke down over something silly as I, I was making soup and I burned dinner. And I was like, this was going to be the thing that I did amazing today. And I failed at this. This day was terrible. I had a total meltdown. And I called the doctor immediately. And the next day I got an appointment. I have an appointment Monday with a therapist. So I'm on the mend. But it's definitely something that, you know, if you know what to look for and if you're not yourself, even more so than than just, you know, being tired or anything like that, if you're having thoughts about, you know, your children not being 
your world or anything like that, then maybe step away and do more than the usual self-care than you would for yourself and and get the support that you need because there really is a lot. And it's not something that is commonly discussed. It's not something that, you know, um, everyone knows is common. I didn't know it was common. You know, I haven't dealt with depression until now. So I think that having your support team and, and a good relationship with your provider is so instrumental. And it sounds like you were educated to recognize that even within yourself. That, Absolutely. That, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The baby blues helped a lot the first time. Like, OK, I'm still feeling this way times a million. So <laughs> you had a gauge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Sure. So thanks for joining us, Laura, and thank you to all the panelists that have sat in on today's show as well. For more information about Laura, as well as information about any of our panelists, visit the episode page of our website. This conversation continues for members of the Preggy Pals Club. After the show, Laura is going to discuss how to help create a postpartum plan for your baby's older siblings. To join our club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Peggy Pals, this is Molly from Akron, Ohio. I'm currently pregnant, and this is my very first pregnancy, and I'm really excited. But unfortunately, my husband does not seem to be anywhere near as excited as I am. He has no interest in going to any of my appointments. He doesn't even care when my belly, uh, when the baby's kicking. He doesn't want to feel it. And I just don't know if this is normal. I, I mean, how can I be so excited and he's not at all? And so I'd like to know kind of what's going on inside his head. And if you could help me with this, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Hi, Molly. I'm Dr. Daniel Singley, a licensed psychologist specializing in men's issues and a founder of basic training for new dad's parenting class. You raise an excellent question and one that gets at how men and women tend to express their feelings pretty differently. It's understandable why you're confused about what seems like your husband's lack of enthusiasm at having a new baby. So what I'd encourage you to do is to realize that there's likely much more to his experience of being an expectant dad than meets the eye. Most dads and moms-to-be experience a wide range of emotions that span excitement, curiosity, anxiety, and even sadness. However, while women in this country are typically socialized to be more verbal and vocal about expressing their feelings, Men simply aren't typically accustomed to doing so. For example, paternal postpartum depression and anxiety are fairly common, but it's not widely understood that men tend to express them differently than women, nor that symptoms can begin during pregnancy. We tend not to express these things, and so they've flown on largely under the radar. Your fellow is likely to be ambivalent about the impending arrival, and clamming up about it is a very common way that men deal with very concerning questions like, how will I provide financially? What will my work-life balance look like? Will I ever have fun again or see my friends? How is my relationship with my wife going to change? Will I be able to care for a baby? Dads are, quote, supposed to be very excited about having a baby, and expressing these types of concern to mom flies directly in the face of the John Wayne guy code. For example, when my wife was pregnant, I wanted to be Mr. Sturdy Oak and 
keep my feelings to myself about concerns, I ended up going too far because I didn't clue her in on some of the stresses I was judging until they'd gotten pretty far along. And ultimately, talking with her about it was pretty helpful, although very difficult. Also, for some dads, the baby just doesn't seem real until it's born or until it starts to do more gross motor activities like rolling over and, and crawling, that stereotype of, oh, you know, the, I'll really like him most when he can throw a ball. It's an old one. It's pervasive. But usually after the birth, dads get right in there and, and, and are able to start feeling connected with their baby. Another point is they're supposed to be highly involved with their partners and babies, but rarely have had the chance to observe their own dads or other types of, of concrete models about exactly how to do so. Most parenting classes for expecting parents aren't much help because they tend to give dad the message that his only way to support baby is to support mom. But the reality is that dads can do virtually everything that moms can do with new infants except nurse them. So what to do? One, give dad as much practice swaddling and soothing and even burping as much as possible. I would also sign up your hubby to receive a, a weekly email from a, an online service, uh, something like babycenter.com, which gives a brief executive summary of baby and mom's development as well as how his own circumstances are changing. Another point is just don't expect him to express himself in a traditional feminine way. Um, if or when he starts engaging in so-called daddy-messing activities like buying stuff and building and painting or you know stressing about finances, just recognize this is a way that that men are socialized to do and not feel. Uh, another is uh, just realizing he does need your support, even if you can't tell, um, but that he also needs that outside of your relationship. So encourage him to go spend time with his friends. And, you know, bonus points, if they happen to be buddies of his that are happily engaged dads that can talk about what a great experience it is, eh? Finally, if you or your husband have experienced the history of anxiety or depression, then you're at elevated risk to develop postpartum mental health issues. So you should be proactive by consulting with a mental health provider as soon as possible. With one in ten experiencing, uh, one in ten men experiencing postpartum depression, rather, and of those who have partners with postpartum depression, 50% of those men themselves develop postpartum depression. So it's important to be armed with how to navigate the transition to parenthood as effectively as possible. You could also go to uh, postpartummen.com. It's got some great info about uh, how paternal postpartum depression plays out. I hope this info has been helpful to you, and uh, best of luck in the journey ahead. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show's newbies. Holla, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for for the plug. (laughs) For postpartum moms during baby's first year, parent savers for parents with infants and toddlers, twin talks for parents of multiples, and the boob group for moms who breastfeed. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. 
How would you like to have your own show on the new Mummy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.